You served in the Armed Forces Tuesday's Veterans Day, and we just want to acknowledge you. Would you stand up? We just want to thank you for your service to our country. I know that we have, if you're active duty, retired, or you've been in the military, would you just stand up? We just want to say thank you. Thank you. You know, it's, um, my dad was served in the Marine Corps 22 years and um, several wars, and um, it was just a, an incredible commitment and an incredible sacrifice. Thank you. Great prayers in the Bible is what we're talking about. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. We're going to look at verse 46. We'll start in verse 45, though. Matthew 27, 46. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. Jesus had um, been arrested. He had been taken to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate put him on the cross and Jesus is hanging on the cross. He says seven statements from the cross. One of them happened to be a prayer. It's the prayer that we're going to look at this morning. And it came at noon. Darkness fell upon the whole land until three o'clock. At the end of Jesus' life, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted again and released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus resurrected, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. Let's pray. Father, As we look at prayers, great prayers, Father, from the Bible, and we recognize that your word is the authority, Lord God, to our lives, we can build our life upon your word, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, in the next few moments, you would teach us your word through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak through me, that my words would not be my words, but they would be yours. And now, Lord God, as the psalmist prayed, I pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus prays this prayer, and if you think about it, it's a prayer of loneliness and desperation. See, at the, until that point, Jesus was in the garden with his disciples, and he was praying by himself but his disciples were about a stone's throw away as he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And they were sleeping, but they were still there. And then one of Jesus' disciples comes up with a band of men, and they kiss Jesus on the cheek. This was Judas. And Jesus looks at him and says, you betray the Son of Man with a kiss. And in that moment, I would have felt very alone, that a friend of mine that we had spent almost every day together for three and a half years betrays me. He doesn't punch me. He doesn't slap me. He kisses me. And then I get dragged away, and the disciples that I'm with, the, the people, my most intimate friends, leave me. And Jesus then goes to the temple, and he's on the outer courts, and he's standing there, and Peter's warming himself by the fire and denies him three times. And the Bible says that in Luke's account that Peter and Jesus caught eyes, and Peter runs out and weeps bitterly. And in that moment, my, my bestest friend, maybe my, my closest friend, if it's not Peter, it's John, but my closest friend, definitely part of my inner circle, denies me. I would have felt very alone. But then being taken before the crowd and the crowd yelling and hurling things at me, being arrested, taking after a beating, and getting a cross and walking it up a hill, being nailed to the cross, being brought up in front of everybody. Up until that point, he was abandoned by everybody except God. And then after three hours of hanging on the cross, dying, which is between two and three, the hour of two and three or the ninth hour of the day, Jesus lets out this prayer of desperation. And it yields two questions that we need to ask this morning. The first question is, why did Jesus pray this prayer? Why did he pray, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It was a prayer of loneliness. It was a prayer of desperation. We see in scripture, and in, in, he's quoting scripture, Psalm 22, 1. He cries out to God, God hears his word. Jesus knows this, and so Jesus quotes scripture. And I don't know if you've ever been in a moment of desperation or loneliness. Sometimes we can quote scripture, and the psalmist or whoever completely captures what we're feeling in that moment. When Jesus is quoting scripture, we see that. The word forsaken or the word abandoned literally means deserted in Hebrew. My God, my God, why have you deserted me? Jesus was there praying scripture to the Lord, hanging on the cross for our sins. Secondly, why did Jesus pray this prayer? Probably because, well, we know, because Jesus became our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God the righteousness of Christ. We'd be presented before Christ. So the sin of the world comes upon him. And in that moment, he felt very alone, very distant. Sometimes I feel alone when I sin. Maybe it's sin that nobody knows about or anybody sees. It's the sin that goes on in my head. And in that moment, I feel sin. 
I feel that weight. I feel that pressure. And I feel alone. Jesus hadn't sinned, but he was carrying our sin, becoming sin for us. And this, but the third reason, as I think the reason that I want to kind of hone in on today, <coughs> why did Jesus pray this prayer? Because Jesus felt alone. He felt alone. <coughs> Have you ever felt alone? You could be in a room this size and you can feel alone. I remember when I was in high school, people were looking at Jesus and he still felt alone. I was in high school and I just finished working out, pumped some iron, I was wearing this cutoff shirt. School, the last bell had rung. And I ran out to the parking lot because I wanted to catch a girl. And I wanted to ask her out. It was a perfect time because I just worked out. And you know, after you work out, you're a little bit bigger. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's perfect time. So me and my swelled self came out. And I was in my gym shorts and I was in my cutoff. And I looked at her. She looked at me. I was talking, she was giggling, and I was like, how you doing? <laughs> and we're having this interaction, and it's just going extremely well. And everybody's getting into their cars in the parking lot, high school, American high school. So all these people are going, and we're having this conversation. And I didn't realize that the person I had been working out with started running kind of behind me. I didn't see him. I was so engaged in what was going on right there. You know what I'm talking about? That he comes behind me as, as I'm talking to her, feeling cool, feeling macho. And he comes up behind me and he grabs my shorts and he rips them down. <laughs> and as I stood there, what seemed like an eternity, and all eyes were on me. I wanted to break out in the Superman pose, but I could not. At that moment, I felt isolated and alone. But he just didn't grab my shorts. I was going down as fast as I could. And I was pulling those shorts and everything else up to my chest. As I looked at her and I said, I'll talk to you later. And I ran away. So many people saw it. So many people talked about it. And this was my friend. No, I, I look back at that and I realize that, yes, that was, though that was an isolated and lonely event in my life, it compares nothing to the fact of Jesus and his loneliness. Jesus on the cross feeling forsaken by God. See, we look at the scripture and Jesus looked very alone and I think that Jesus had prepared and set up for his three and a half years of ministry anything but loneliness. See, Jesus surrounded himself with a Peter, James, and John. He surrounded himself with 12 disciples. He surrounded himself with 70 people. In fact, when Jesus ascended into heaven, there were 120 people that were his followers in the upper room after he rose from the dead. And Jesus understood loneliness. He understood it in a way that I don't think that some of us could understand. But I think Jesus had a plan for his children 
when he left and it was for them to feel less alone. And the way that he set up for the people to feel less alone so that they would never have to pray this prayer in part or feel alone from God is this. Jesus' plan for his children to feel less alone is this. And if you're taking notes, write this down. It's the local church. The local church. See, because in that moment, not only did all of Jesus' close confidence abandon him and leave him, only John was there at the cross. But in that moment, Jesus had felt forsaken from God. And so I think, and I look at this prayer in scripture, I, I connect it to the local church, and this is how I connect it, is because people in this life feel alone. You could be married, you could be in a room this size, and you could still feel alone. Have you ever had that inner conversation with yourself, wondering, God, is this all there is to life? There's got to be something more. God, I, 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 I want something, but I don't know what it is. See, loneliness has always been a problem for mankind and humankind. Genesis chapter 2, 18, we see loneliness creeps in before sin. God had Adam and he had all the animals and Adam named the animals and there was not a, a, a help meet suitable for Adam. And God said something, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make for him a help meet. Now, something not good, we would all, all equate that to sin. But it wasn't sin. It was loneliness. Sin hadn't entered the garden, and then God made woman. And thank God that he did. Right, men? So that we would be less alone. And so what you have is you have this idea that loneliness existed before sin. And if I hear one more well-meaning Christian say this, to the, to the problem of loneliness, well, you have God. Even God didn't tell Adam that. God walked, saw Adam, and God didn't say, hey, Adam, you've got me. God didn't say that. God looked and said, it's not good. I'm going to create someone for you. So if you're lonely this morning and you're single, my prayer is this. You need to get connected to the local church. If you're a single mom, if you've lost a spouse, if you're a single dad, the local church. Why do I say that? Because that's the this is the group, this is the institution, this is the body that God has set up for you and me to feel less alone. Sin kills, steals, destroys, it wrecks our lives. When we come into this church, this is supposed to be a safe place. This is supposed to be a place where you feel less alone. Well, how do I get into this church? Well, the first step for everyone is salvation. Salvation is for the individual. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So the very, very first step is for us to individually receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And then you would say, hey, wow, well, I'm a member now of the church. No, not necessarily. 
Because you, then you have to, the, the Christians then have to come together and form this local body, this group, and that's the church. And there's a government for the church, and there's kind of a way that the church moves and breathes and lives. Salvation is for the individual. The church is for the collected individuals to come together as one. So someone's saying, hey, listen, all I need is Jesus. Would be like me catching a fish and saying, look at my fish, isn't it great? Well, what's going to happen to the fish? It's going to die. Why? Because the fish cannot exist without water, just as a Christian can exist without the church. Don't take my word for it. Revelation chapter 1, verse 11. Jesus talks to John and he says, listen, write this down for the church or the churches. The churches, there's seven churches, local churches, in which Jesus has a very specific message for each of them. Someone would say, well, I'm a part of the church universal. I'm not a part of the church local. You know, because I'm a Christian, therefore I'm all a part of the church. Well, the reality is this. If you're not a part of the church local, you're not a part of the church universal. What? Yeah, because of Revelation 1.11, Jesus has a very specific message to every single one of his local churches. The whole New Testament, most of the New Testament is written to local churches, that if you're a part of Coastal Community Church, you're a part of the local church. See, the reality is that God wants us to connect to his local church. How do we know this? Just as a fish needs water to live, so every person that has the gospel needs a church to live. Christians cannot survive without the local church. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, 1 Peter 5, 8, the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Why, why does Peter write that? Well, it was interesting. I was talking to a guide from South Africa, and he was saying that the lion's roar can be heard for miles around. After he makes a kill, he lets out this huge roar. And the reason he lets out the huge roar is because it's a warning to all the other animals, stay away, I'm eating because he's afraid. Because the lion knows that the other animals could gang up and take him, and he would have to leave his food source. He says it's most hilarious when you're out on the plains, and he says he's part of these hunting parties. He said, when you watch a lion who gets really hungry, he eats a hyena, and he's eating a hyena, and the other hyenas, he, after he kills the hyena, the female lion, she lets out a roar. And all the hyenas scatter and run away. But what the other hyenas don't realize is that they're more powerful together collectively than the lions because they're greater in numbers. And so when the apostle Peter writes the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. His goal is to isolate you from the church so that he can devour you. 
And when you stay disconnected or apart from the church, guess what? You're not going to make it. Just as it's true in the nature, so it's true in the church. Look at the times in your life when you're doing poorly spiritually. I would say you're not connected into a small group. You're not connected with the church. And more than likely, your friends aren't connected with Christ either. Because the whole idea is once the devil has you, he wants to isolate you and he wants to devour you. And if the hyenas got together, they could defeat the lion. If Christians got together, they could defeat the devil. He walks around like a roaring lion. So the first question is, why did Jesus pray this prayer? He prayed this prayer because he felt alone. And loneliness is a problem for us today. So then the question, that the second question that we ask then is, how can we feel less alone and live out our faith daily less alone? How do we do that? If you're taking notes, I want you to write these three things down so that you can feel less alone and live. See, you can pray all you want in isolation, but until you are connected to the body, you're not going to experience the healing. What does the Bible say in James? Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you would be healed. Look, you can pray all you want. You can even pray this great prayer. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you're stuck in sin and you can't move past it, tell somebody. Tell somebody in the church to pray with you, to stand with you, to circle around you. Lay hands on you and pray for you. So the devil can't devour you. And you'll be healed. See great prayers in the Bible. How can we feel less alone and love out our faith? The first one is this. Connect yourself. Connect continually to the local church. Don't just connect one time. Don't just attend. Just don't show. If I just showed up in my marriage and I didn't connect with my wife, and some of you might have a marriage like that, my prayer is, is that you would seek out a way to get connected or reconnected. But it's to connect yourself continually to the local church. If I just showed up for my marriage and I didn't really acknowledge my wife, I didn't really talk with her, I didn't really you know, provide for her, if I didn't do any of these things, I'd be a pretty lousy husband. No, I have to do it continually, like constantly. I have to come home every night, tell her I love her. These are important things, men, that you ought to do. I have to help her with a little stone crying at two in the morning and rub her back because she's not getting any sleep. And have changed the diaper, take a turn, help do these things. Why? Because I want to be connected with this woman, because I love her. And we have to connect continually to the local church. Why? If you have your Bibles, turn over to me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Why is this important? Why do I have to really physically connect? Well, because here's the deal. There's an interconnection. There's a, there's, 
there's a part of us that we get to actually do something together. And in the early church, this is what we see. Pentecost was preached. 3,000 were added that day. And then Luke, the writer of Acts, says this to us. In verse 42, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The beginning of the church was about connecting daily with other Christians. And they weren't an exclusive country club. They were an inclusive group that those that were being saved were added. Which communicates that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, let me share something with you. You can't be a part of the church. You're not connected so you individually have to receive Christ, but then at that point, you've got to then connect yourself to the local church. Why is this important? Well, see, in 325 AD, Constantine, he's the emperor of Rome, the Roman Empire's cunning unraveled. It had gotten so big, it had gotten so fat, it had gotten so gluttonous in the world that it starts to unravel. And Constantine saw this group of people called Christians and they were burned and they were executed and they were beheaded and they were fed to lions and they continued to grow in number. And no matter what they did, Christians grew. And these churches got bigger and they were killing the leaders and new leaders would stand up and they were killing everyone and other Christians would come in and take their place and people's lives were being changed and Constantine saw the Roman Empire declining and he saw Christianity growing and he said, if I could take the Roman Empire and I could join it to Christianity, then Rome can last forever. And in 325 AD, he converted to Christianity and made everybody else in the Roman Empire do it as well. And at that point, we start what we call institutional Christianity. And some people go, oh, hate it. Some people say, love it. Here's the reality. Why was this important? Because at that point, people stopped being the church. People stopped being this organic, authentic thing. And they started going to church. And they started to institutionalize their faith, setting up these hierarchies and such. And people stopped living this thing out every day, being connected, and they started going and watching. And the reality is this, we've got to, they went from organic, well, what we read here in Acts chapter 2, to institution. See, a lot of people say, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. Have you ever said that? but you say it in a vacuum by yourself. Man, I just want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I want to be a part of a God movement where God just moves. Oh, God. I just want it, God. Are you ready? If you're part of the local church, you are. 
because this is God's plan. This is Christ's plan from the cross was to establish the local church. And if you don't connect yourself to the local church, you're a fish without water. You're just going to die. You're going to dry up spiritually and die. Is it physical? Is it spiritual? I don't know. There's lots of scripture. But Constantine institutionalized it. And why is this important to see? It's important to see because God wants us to not live this out day by, I mean, week by week, but day by day, moment by moment with other Christians. See, up until that point, there was only local churches. There wasn't universal church. Up until 325, it was just the group of Christians that were together that were hiding because they were being persecuted. There was only local church. But in 325 AD, there became this greater church. Now, this was not all bad because we got the scripture from it. They actually got together and said, what are the letters that are real? Because there's all these fake letters that are being written as well, and it's kind of changing our faith, and they came up with these creeds and these things, and these are wonderful things. But then people started getting in their mind, I'm a part of the universal church, not the local church, and the reality is, no, if you're not a part of the local church, you're not a part of the universal church. How do I know that? How do we know that? Look and turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. How do you need to feel less alone? The way we feel less alone is we connect continually to the local church. Number two, we connect continually to the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5. This is how I know this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present to her to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. As the scripture says, as a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united in one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Did you read that? This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I say again, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Verse 32, don't miss it. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Let me tell you what I'm tired of hearing. I'm tired of hearing this. I love Jesus. Have you heard people say this, man? I so love Jesus. I just hate his church. How many of you guys have heard that? Man, I hear that all the time. Man, I am so in love with Jesus. But you know what? I don't like that organized institutional Christianity. Man, I can't stand it. Here's the reality. 
The reality is that Jesus said he is one flesh with his church, just like a husband and wife are one flesh. And for you to say, I love Jesus and hate his church is like you saying, Andrew, I love you, but I hate Holly. Loathe her. What? We can't be friends because I adore my wife. In fact, here's all my money, baby. I've already given it to her and some. Here's everything. Why? Because I love my wife. I adore my wife. Is my wife perfect? No. Does she have faults? Yes. But I still love her because why? I made a commitment 15 years ago. And I said, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor. In fact, I even signed this paper, and she signed it too. And they got a stamp, and that's a marriage license. And every July 15th, I renew this commitment. And if I forget, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Why? Because I love my wife. And so Jesus is saying here, the Apostle Paul saying that Jesus and the church have joined together. They're one flesh. So don't say you love Jesus, hate the local church. Just say you hate both. It's much easier. And it's much truer. See, what's great is that Jesus is coming back for this bride. He's coming back for this bride. This is what I love. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that Jesus is going to be in the air and he, we're going to meet him in the air. As Jesus comes back to rule and reign and establish his kingdom, we're going to meet him in the air. My, my, my daughter Grace still does this. My older two are a little older, but my daughter Grace still does this. When I come home at the end of the day, I just have enough time to put down because I hear, Daddy's home, and my daughter starts sprinting. And then what does she do? She like takes off. Whoa! And I have to catch her before she falls over on her face, you know, because she's like, oh. I catch her in the air. Why? Because she's excited to see me. The Bible says that we're gonna that the Lord's gonna meet us in the air. We, is he doing this for everybody? No, he's only doing this for his bride, his church, his local church. Every local church constitutes the church. If you say I'm a part of the church universal and not part of the church local, it doesn't compute. You have to be a part of the church local to be a part of the church universal, to meet the Lord in the air. Jesus is back. Oh. How can we feel less alone and live out our faith daily? Connect continually to the local church. Connect continually to the bride of Christ, and number three, connect continually to the body of Christ. Turn your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, Paul's writing to the local church of Corinth. In verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. We've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. 
and we all share the same spirit. The Holy Spirit is what brings this unity. It's why I can feel less alone when I'm with you because the Spirit of God, even if we have nothing else in common, you have the Holy Spirit, I have the Holy Spirit, we can agree upon that, therefore I'm less alone. And the Spirit within me can rejoice. It's what Jesus worked, accomplished on the cross. The fact that the Holy Spirit has been left for us. But I want to look a little further because not only are we connected continually to the body of Christ, what does that mean? We have the same Holy Spirit. There's different parts, different members. What does that mean? Cut off my hand and put it over here to the side. I'm without a hand. The body without a hand. Now that's my hand, but the reality is it's not connected to the body. So if you break the finger of that hand over there, I don't feel it because it's already been cut off. It's already been severed. Even if the hand did it itself, I don't, know if, I don't think it could, but even if it did, you could break the fingers, you could smash it, you could do whatever you wanted to it, and it would not, and the body would be unaffected, okay? The Apostle Paul is writing this in Corinth because he wanted them to be interconnected. But take that same hand and put it on my body, guess what? Break a finger, oh man, the body's gonna feel it. So much so that I'm gonna try to protect it I'm going to try to get you away. I'm going to try to do everything in my power to nurture it back to health. Why? Because it's part of the body. So if you're not a part of the body, if you're not connected to the local body, why are you saying local body? Why do you keep saying that? Because here's the deal. If you're not connected, I don't know that you're hurting. I don't know that there's something wrong. Why are you saying local? Because if you're part of the church universal, that's just a buzzword for I don't commit. It's like a, it's like a, like for some of you college girls, it's like a boy that's like, I just want to be friends with benefits. Stay away, run away. Because the reality is this, you have to be connected to the body so that the body can nurture and help. That's the beauty of the body. It's, it's like this. I had Elena do this and, and Bethany. They both gave them to me. It's, it's like this. One body, right? Woo! Awesome, right? Lots of members. But one body. One body. Lots of members. All connected, right? Now, what happens if this person says, I don't want to be a part anymore? Sad. <laughs> Very sad. One body. Are they part of it? No. And it's not, it's not, it's not just coastal community, it's the body of Christ. Christ has joined himself. Remember, he's one flesh with his church. Remember, this is his body. No, this, this has to come back and, they have to, and we have to repair the damage done and you have to find a way to get reconnected to the body so we can be one body again. Lots of members. Body perfect? No. Was Coastal Community perfect? No. I've been here four months and if there was such thing as a perfect church and I joined it, it would be imperfect because I am imperfect. It's like everybody saying, oh, you know what? My family was dysfunctional. Get in line. Every family's dysfunctional because of sin. <laughs> Give me a break. 
I'm just waiting for the perfect church. Well, get in line. Everybody is. The only time the church will be perfect is when Jesus returns and makes it perfect. Because here's the deal. If there was a perfect church and you joined it or I joined it, we would make it imperfect. Because we're sinful and imperfect people. When I made the vow to my wife, I said, in sickness and in health, better or worse, love and to cherish till death us do part. Not if she's perfect. Guess what? She's not perfect. We fought. We fought. We've had issues. Guess what? I'm still married to her. I'm still committed to her. See, a lot of people don't view the church that way. They get offended. Something happens. They get hurt. And then they go down the road to the next church, and they take their bitterness with them, and they plant that same seed of bitterness, and it spreads. And then they get offended again because then somebody else says something else, and then they leave, and they go, we're going to start something else, and it's going to be pure, and it's going to be great. And what happens? All the imperfect people go there, and they go, we're going to do something great. And then they spread their imperfectness and their sin, and it gets too hard again, and then they split again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Instead of just committing to the one marriage that Christ has, his local bride, he's coming back for Coastal Community Church. And if this isn't your flavor, if this isn't your brand, go someplace else. Because here's the deal, he's coming back for the local church. So be a part. If we were, okay, do you know that there's a thousand people every weekend that come to Coastal? You know how many members we have? 300. Now, if we were Southern Baptists, we would have 8,000 members and 300 people showing up. But I could say that I'm a good Baptist. I could say that. But at Coastal, membership actually means something. And people are like, well, what does membership mean? Let me share something with you. Membership means something, it means that you're connected. You're connected. It means that we want to care for you. We want to love you. We want to help you. You have issues. We've paid people's rents. We've helped people utilities. We've, we've, we want to help you. We love you. You're a part of us. You're not a member of us. We don't know you. You haven't connected to us. Body of Christ. It's time to commit to the local church. To live out your faith in the way Jesus intended. When I decided to marry Holly, I signed a certificate demonstrating my commitment to her. Guess what? Coastal Community Church, every year, we sign a commitment saying that we're apart. Guess what? I don't mind giving her my money because I want to keep her healthy. Coastal Community, we take an offering every week. Why? Because this is our church. This is our bride. We want to be interconnected. So if you think about it in that way, it becomes a lot more organic and less more institutional. Does that make sense? And so what am I asking for you this morning? Here it is. Are you ready? Out in the lobby, if you've taken the We Are Coastal class, because you've got to do premarital before you get married. I'm telling you, you need to. There's a We Are Coastal class. Now listen, we have a We Are Coastal class coming up. You can read it Saturday. I'm going to be there. You know why I got well, you know why I pushed for the one day We Are Coastal class? Because I'm ADDDDDDDDDDD. And I don't want to come 3 weeks in a row. Was this 2 weeks, 3 weeks, 4 weeks? I, I just I I just can't do it. So I can sit through 3 hours and I can get it all done. So if you're like, man, I can't do the 3 weeks. We'll do the 1 week with me. 
Join the church. Commit to the body. Be a part of the bride. Let's do this life together so we feel less alone. It was Jesus' plan and intention, and it's who he's coming back for. Sign up for the We Are Coastal class afterwards. Some of you have already members. You've already taken the We Are Coastal class. You've already met with an elder. Guess what? Every year, it's like an anniversary. I, I give my wife gifts on our anniversary to celebrate the fact that we've been married for so long. All we're asking for you is to re-sign your commitment. If you want to give a gift, I'll take it. But <laughs> the reality is, recommit. Recommit. We have them in the back. If you've signed the commitment before, it's time for us to re-up. Why? Because I love the church. I love Coastal Community Church. It's one of the reasons why my wife and I came here. It's because we love the local church. And at Coastal Community Church, you guys really like each other. So ask yourself, am I going to do what the Bible says and commit myself to the local church or am I not? It's really that simple. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Worship team's going to come up. We're going to take an offering. And then you guys are going to go sign those commitment forms. And if you haven't taken the We Are Coastal class, my challenge to you is pull out your little worship guide or highlight sheet or whatever it's called. Fill out the little tear-out card and sign up for the We Are Coastal class for Saturday so that we know that you're coming. Hey, I'm giving you, we have free dinner for that, okay? So even if you're just hungry, just come. Come join and be a part of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. That's my prayer. If you've never received Jesus Christ, even if you come to the We Are Coastal class and meet with an elder, you're not a member because you have to first individually receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And very simply, you can do that this morning by saying, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me and rise from the dead. And by faith, I receive you into my life. And I give you my life. In Jesus' name. For all of you that are believers, it's time for you to stop dating, stop being engaged, and to get married to a local church. And Coastal's a great place, and it's time to do that. Let me pray. Father God, I pray for every person here that's waffling back and forth, and I pray that they would commit to Coastal Community Church. And if not Coastal, they would commit to another church, Lord God, but they would be committed to your local body, your local bride. And they would stop, Father, being in and out. And they would say, for better or for worse, for rich or for poor, I'm committed to the local church. Lord God, we love you and thank you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.